Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Blossom Bamboo from Dark Blossom. She is an American-born living in Amsterdam for the past 25 years with two daughters, working on her own spiritual and personal growth for the past 15 years. She is a link separator in the chain of female dysfunction and wounding in her generational line. A recovered Christian, self-medicator, and self-destructor. She's a survivor of domestic violence and emotional neglect. She was a model, cruise line staff agent, service provider in this restaurant industry, theater, and sex industry. She placed first place in for a figure class bodybuilding competition in 2007 she's also a yoga teacher lifestyle coach and personal trainer she does tantrika and now a tantra therapist blossom welcome to the show hello so when i hear that back yeah That's me in a nutshell. A tantrika, that's not something I do, it's something I am. Okay, I'm sorry. That is is a a, a female practitioner of of tantra. Okay. Yes, it's great to be on the show. Thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for being on. So how's the uh, Pass the Pause podcast coming along? Pass the Pause podcast podcast is uh yeah it's coming along really well i've just um uploaded the episode and it is evolving faster than um i can keep up with it like i have the amount of information that i keep getting and i want to already expand as far as the topic Initially, it's about menopause because that's the stage of my life that I'm in. Or we could say midlife because men go through this as well. And it's so much more than that. It's really uh, about past any pause, such as the giant pause that the whole world finds themselves in today. And I had a conversation with my last guest and we even touched on that. And I've actually heard other people talk, touch on this as well. Even Joe Dispenza kind of called it a pause. I was like, hey, I think I need to have him on the show. <laughs> but really, yeah, I find myself having the, the drive and the desire to actually go deeper into um, what past the pause really means. And I'm finding myself a little bit feeling um, restricted being having to niche, although I also understand the, the importance of that. So, yeah, I also had that, uh, that as well, trying to find like that one person that I need to talk to. It's, 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 it's a hard thing when you want to help so many different people. Yeah. Or like me, the mind goes in, in, in very broad, yeah, broad directions. Yeah. 
Um, so what in your in your in your intro when I was introducing you, I said that you're a recovered Christian. What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said the first time I heard that. I can tell you the story of when I heard that, but like it clicked. So I've never been California. I grew up in the United States and I never went to California. Of course, it was a childhood dream. And if I hadn't come to Europe, I most certainly would have ended up on the West Coast. So I was there last year and I was in the kitchen and it was a tenter gathering and an event. And some, one of the girls or one of the younger women was saying something about being a recovered Christian. I was like, what do you mean? And then when she described it, I was like, yeah, I get it. I'm that too. Meaning that raised in um, really did more damage than good um, because of the hypocrisy and the discrepancy and the, um, you know, for me and in, in also in, in this conversation, finding out that I'm not the only one that has this, uh, being told one thing and being shown another or getting two or three different messages that are discrediting each other. And for me growing up, that was very confusing. And I even had several years where I just dissed God as, as a word. Like, I'm not going to use that word anymore because it just didn't, it didn't resonate. It, it had such a bad vibe, basically, you know, God's going to strike you down. And God, I mean, like God was, was nothing more than something to be afraid of. Um, so I've gone through a whole evolution of what to name uh, this energy that makes it my lungs are breathing, my heart is pumping, the, the flowers are blooming. I mean, what is that? And in my own journey, I, I've come to hear uh, source, the uh, unified field, uh, infinite intelligence. I really love that. Uh, I was always told that God was love. So I also got a, a skewed definition of what real love is. I mean, so love was conditional, of course, because God is very judging. Um, <laughs> so this is what I mean by a recovered Christian, because now I can say God, and it means to me, universal intelligence it means this energy of pure potentiality um ecstasy bliss joy happiness uh it's unconditional it's who we are in our very core and so does that answer the question yeah yeah it's your answer so yes it, it answers the question I, there's no right or wrong uh i don't want to say like right or wrong like I myself am Christian 2.0, I guess you can say. <laughs> um, I've had my own bump-ins with uh, that, 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 that side, and it's hard for me to argue. Let's just leave okay. it at It's very hard for me to argue that there is something else going on that we fail to see that's out there for our better good. 
Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't deny. I mean, I don't deny. At all, I'm not an atheist, or well, it depends on what your definition of atheist is. I had this discussion with my daughter, um, and she's like, well, "Atheist is just anyone that doesn't, um, you know, follow any religion, um, and just because you don't follow a religion or you don't um, a religion doesn't mean you can't be religious." Because actually, maybe we'll get into that a little bit further into the show. But anything that you practice on a daily basis, then you need to, you, you start doing it religiously. And, you know, is that a religion or, yeah. I, I, for me, an atheist would be the definition of a nihilist. The absence mm. of belief of something else other than yourself. And that for me is what an atheist is. Now, if you believe like this is why like anybody who believes in anything greater than themselves for the betterment of themselves, to me, they believe in something which is humbling. Mm. 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 Yeah. So this is the importance right now, this discussion, this is the importance of always checking in with, um, people that you're communicating with and to and for and together. What is your definition? You know, how do you define it? Um, I mean, I, if we were to go and look it up, what is, what is the dictionary's meaning of atheist? And does it matter where in the world you are when you use that, you know, as a, uh, a European, maybe atheist is a little bit more, broader use and you know i don't like personally i don't like the word spiritual oh you're so spiritual well i don't think i am i think everyone is because that's the whole concept behind holism holistic is that we're a body physical we are a mind which is non-physical depends it's not the brain but the mind and spirit so you've got your body your mind and your soul or spirit and yeah, that's how I believe. So I don't know if that's any religion or if it's atheist or if it's spiritual. It's just who I am. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely know that um, I am infinite and that this, is, this, this physical is not all of who I am. That's awesome. Mm. Um, Again, in my intro about you, you went down some really dark paths in your past of mm. self-destruction. Can you talk about what led you down that road? Uh, yeah, of course. I know it's also uh, one of the main, main issues that you uh, shine light onto and want to help people with, and that is self-esteem or I like to now call this your self-worth. Um, I was just not worthy. Like I never got the message ever that I was wanted. Uh, I, I, I heard that I was loved, but like I said, it was, it was really empty words because the behavior, um, you know, I learned later and many 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 years later after many different uh toxic relationships where i had to learn the lesson again and again and again because i equated certain behaviors with love 
And so now I was in love. So if these people, you know, they better prove to me that they love me like my parents did and be really horrible to me. Um, not that my parents were horrible to me because they wanted to or it was intentional. Um, they probably most likely just didn't have any of the tools to, to do any differently. I believe that, of course. Um, so, yeah, I was, um, you know, there's always gradations when you're looking at this stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, children between zero and seven, it's now science. They've proven that the subconscious mind and the, the mind in general of a child under the age of seven is at a different wavelength, a different frequency, and everything that's coming in is just the truth. You know, they have no way to discern. Um, so if you're getting hit or you're getting, you know, told to be shut up, um, you know, you're causing too much trouble, you're, you're you know, whatever you are, you're, you're, you're too good, you're too bad, you're too fat, you're too thin. All of that comes in in those, those earliest messages. Um, and I got pretty early on the message that it was only about um, the outside and anything that came from within that wanted to not shut down. And you asked me about past the pause. This is really the kernel of, of past the pause because of that early being shut down early in life. Does that's that an, answer the question? That's, that's <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I have two young nephews and uh you could see you could see in them the how they how quickly they pick up on things and uh you have to be very careful mm -hmm. um i don't know how things are over in amsterdam but um i know here in toronto things are very school system especially i'm not happy with because they're teaching kids children stuff that they should be learning later on so they can make a proper judgment just like you said whatever you tell them is going to be the truth yeah. we're going to touch up on a little bit of that later on uh <laughs> about where i was going with that line of questioning but uh you also i also mentioned that you're a link in the you're you're a link separator in the chain of female dysfunction. And what yeah. can men learn from that? Ooh. Oh, this is a really deep question. What can, well, first, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, the way I see it as a link separator. Um, and I had no idea that this was this was going to be on my path when I had children. And in the, in the first instance, I thought, no way, I'm not bringing children into this world. And this is before uh, COVID and before mask. 25 years ago, I was like, I'm not bringing children into this world. Um, and that changed. And it was actually the beginning of my, I believe, spiritual path, as people call that now, I was reading a book and then that it was my destiny to become a mother. And I didn't know why. 
And then when I had children and I saw me uh, repeating patterns, I knew why, um, but that didn't mean that I could immediately stop repeating patterns. Also, like, why did I have daughters and not sons? You know, so it was like, it's been, always been very clear to me and I don't have it on paper. I don't have it written down. It's nothing I studied. It's just like an inner knowing that I know that I have daughters so that I could do this work. I'm, I look at my mother, her mother, the great grandmother, and it just goes back generations and generations that something different needed to happen. And I'm doing the work, you know, that's not to say that my children had the best childhood, but it was definitely um, by far a totally different environment than what I grew up in, in many aspects. Mm-hmm. Um... So how does, how, how can men, what can men learn from that? Well, I cannot say that they can learn from the, yeah, well. Hmm. Obviously men can't have children, but I mean, they can have families. Well, they, they can, they can have, they definitely can have children. But there is something that's called the mother wound. And this is not just something between mothers and daughters. It's also between uh, mothers and sons. But for the first recognition is that there is this generational wounding that is passed down. It has to do, in my humble opinion, and from all of the books and knowledge that I do have, it has a lot to do with the patriarchy and the cultures in which we all have evolved from. And this goes back, you know, at least 5,000 years, if not, if not more. Now, what can men learn from this? What I'm sharing is to be aware and realize that I would, you know, without having proper... Uh, black on white information, I would still dare to say that at least 90% of women are coming from um, some sort of dysfunctionality in the, you know, what you could call the mother wound or from the mother line, from, from the female line. And even if it's not directly, and that's just because if you look at the societies that we all have been evolved from. So I think that the basis of me telling this story is creating awareness, letting men know, people know that this is the case. And it's not to say that there's something wrong with it, but just let's be aware so that we can change it. Yeah. Very good. Very good message. So switching gears a little bit, kind of not really, but not bring it up a notch uh, for guys out there that don't feel capable. How could you help them? Capable between 
parentheses yeah. what do you mean by capable well capable, there's a capable. lot of are we are we going to start talking about sex because i love to yes. talk about sex yes we are we are going to be talking okay, about let's sex just be right clear now. okay okay let's a, be clear we're going to talk about sex yeah so first and foremost the physical capability of not being able to perform so the first thing i want to say about that is that sex and sexuality is not a performance we are not actors here. We are not on a stage. Um, and the best sex is when there is no one of the people involved performing in any way. And that is, you know, one of the clearest messages that I've gotten since I've been on this, um, this path. And it's very confronting. first thing that I want to say about that is get rid of the whole idea that we're performing that I think was clear. And then since I've been on this path, one of the biggest confrontations to realize that, yeah, what I said was I was my own best porn actress. I mean, I also grew up with the notion that it's about performance, that it's about, the way you look or the way you sound. And it's really funny that in Tra, we do use sound and movement and aesthetics to some extent because you need to set the space. It's really important to set your, you know, the container where the lovemaking is going to take place. But to answer your question very directly, stop. Like, cut it out. Sex is not a performance. That's so, great. That's great. Boom. No more anxiety, <laughs> you know. Um, however, it is that there's large, large, large portions of the um, population of sexually active men and women that have this um, block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and one of the biggest factors with this, especially with guys, is their own self-esteem. They don't mm-hmm. feel worthy that they're going to go up to anybody and just start or anybody and just start talking to them with the incentive of having sex after, after that. I remember countless times my friends t- saying they would pick up the hottest girl in the, in, the, in the club and they would force me to go and talk to her. And that kind of pressure, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't even say hello to her. Whether she liked me or not, I had no idea. But that peer pressure on top of it, I was like, well, this doesn't feel normal for me. So, sorry. So what was it about that that was um, debilitating? Was it the peer pressure or was it the actual going and saying hello to I think it was both because a lot of guys have that problem. They can't walk up to uh, just anybody and say hi because the fear of rejection, one. And two, the added on peer pressure didn't help either. Yeah. Because yeah. then your friends are starting to look at you. They're like, oh, what kind of a what kind of guy are you? You can't even talk to just that girl over there. You know, so you're being judged as well. So how could you well, help? If it's so if it's 
<laughs> if it's so easy, then why aren't they talking to the girl? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in that moment, you, uh, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, 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 to say that, you, why don't you go just do it? Leave me alone. Just mm. go do it. But it's hard mm. because the spotlight's on you now. Yeah. You know, so it's hard, especially from a guy like me, who's an introvert. And I know there's a lot of guys out there that are introverts to do that. I know your, fr I know the friends have good intentions, but it's just, for an introvert, you can't just do that. Mm. No, that's true. How would you help somebody in that kind of situation? So the first thing that's so important in this is um, when we're talking about worthiness, self-worth, self-esteem, is getting connected with yourself. So it's um, in our relationships in the outside world, it's always a reflection of the relationship with ourself. Um, you know, you can't go and talk to somebody, you know, how is your relationship with you? Can you talk to you? You know, what is your relationship with yourself when you look in the mirror? Can you have this uh, kind, gentle, open conversation with yourself? Like, hey, hi, good morning, you know? Uh, wow, welcome to another day. Aren't we happy to be here together? Um, yeah, it could sound corny, but the more and more work that I do and the more and more that I work with clients, I see it again and again, that it is not cliche. Self-love is really where it begins. There's not one... Um, uh, how do you say it, like a wave meal answer to self-love. Um, if it takes, if it takes seven years for the brain to get into the, I always forget the, the, the names of the different uh, waves. I, I've really got to remember, memorize these, but in our conscious, what we, do, do you know them? Maybe you know them. You can help me out here. You've got there's... beta, theta, delta, gamma, yeah, but, and alpha waves. Right. Well, so anyway, children before the age of seven or eight, they're not fully in the conscious wavelength of like you and I are. And then there's another seven-year age until 14. And then actually seven is a big number when it comes to development. And in my line of work and things that I have learned is that there's different lines of development. So if you've got a board here and you've got all kinds of different, you know, you've got uh, academic development, you've got your skills development, you've got your social skills development, your religious development, your physical, you might be really good. You know, somebody might just blink out in their physical development, but emotionally they're still at like, you know, I was, I felt like I was emotionally 10 when I was 20. And it took me quite some time to start realizing, not even to realize, but then to really confront it. And this is a lot of what I do. I'm called Dark Blossom. I really like shadow work and to go into these places in our psyche and really look at those in the mirror. So the day that you wake up and you're like, fuck, I hate myself. You know, that's like, that is a hard day. That is, if I, that's a day you're going to, you know, you're going to scream, you're going to cry, you're going to really feel like shit. But it's the first step. 
in being able to, going back to your example, even going and talking to someone else, because when you can confront, oh my God, I hate myself, that really hurts. If I have this inside of me towards me, then it's quite logical. It makes a lot of sense why I can't even talk to another person. Um, and I'm not talking, I, I, I say this from experience, like um, I could only be over the self-destruction and stuff. I could only be an extrovert, which most people thought that I was when I had a lot of stuff inside of me, like, you know, drinking or uh, drugs of all different sorts. And, and I, and I love, I, I actually loved this extrovertial side of myself, but it wasn't who, uh, it wasn't uh, a, a side of me that I had tapped into consciously with, you know, real true love and been able to like get out there on the dance floor sober and dance or get out there in front of people and sober speak my truth, use my voice. Um, and what I noticed in this process, going back to what you said, your example, is that I have the same, I, I had or have had the same thing. It is not that freaking easy to talk to a stranger or is it, you know? And it's just, it's something very deep inside. And I always say that the best way to uh, get to, you know, what you, you're talking about, the self-esteem, is through going in, going in. And it's an inside job. So basically what we're talking about is if you want to improve your, your own sex life, you have to look inside yourself and love yourself first. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, Oh, love yourself first sounds really easy. And with the mind, we can get it. And with the words, we can get it. But when you go in your heart, I mean, that's where Tantra comes in. And that's when your own hands come in. And, you know, um, we also have some practices, what I would call mirror work, that you literally look in, look in a mirror, or you use your mirror for your face or other different body parts going up and down. <laughs> and really embracing yourself do you can you say to your face can you say to your body part can you say i love you i embrace you this is me I like this body and our genitals and our ears and our nose our face our mouths it's going to be with us until we you know until we're done and so your lover might be around for a little while or maybe a little bit longer if you get into a long-term relationship, but it's not going to be with you forever. Um, but your own body and your own body parts are, unless of course you lose something. My uncle just lost a foot, but <laughs> yeah, he's really good with it. He's like, he's pretty cool with it. Like, but going back to like, <laughs> there's a good chance that none of us are going to lose our genitals. So what I would really suggest is it's inside, it's inside meaning like, can you go in and then go into um, the space of your body where your, where your sex is, your, inner, your sexual energy, your, your genitals and where your stomach is and feel where your heart is, feel like, most of the times people will start to say, yeah, oh, I feel, I, I feel constriction there. Or I feel uh, pressure there. Or I feel 
um, it's heavy or so whenever there's any parts of our body or our psyche that's, that's heavy and bogged down, that's what then I do as a Tantra therapist. And that's what, what Tantra teaches us to do is to open up these, these channels and these blockages because only from an open and loving, you know, posture towards yourself, can we be that way out in the world? We're going to get into Tantra in a little bit, but first I want to touch up on sexuality. So what's the difference between sex and sexuality? Because I think Mm. there's a big disconnect here with, 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 with a world. I think the entire world has a huge disconnect between sex and sexuality. I agree with you a hundred and like almost 200, like a thousand percent. I agree with you. Um, I could, I feel like the whole, it, it's three letters, three letters, and it is so misunderstood. Um, there's someone who, who is uh, sort of my hero or heroine. Her name is Layla Martin, and she's a, a big uh, YouTuber and, and Tantra teacher. And I love the way she talks about sex and sexuality. But sexuality is necessarily sex. And you can say sex and like when I say go to you to your sex, that I'm talking about your genitalia. I'm talking about that area of our body, um, which is not the only place in the body where we can feel sexual. Not at all. We can use our whole bodies for that. Um, And then sexuality is... I'm sure there's textbook definitions, but for me, um, energy, um, sex in in most everybody's mouth. They think. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can hear me. Okay. Mm, and I have two uh, teenage daughters, so you know they say sex. They mean the literal like getting down dirty having intercourse and um all those other you know playful things that come along with that and what i miss is that people have the understanding that sex is is you know it is so multifaceted it's not just one act it is as different as there are people on this earth that is how many different ways there are to have sex. And what I have observed in watching uh, my daughter's generation around me, I'm actually dumbfounded that they actually are experiencing a lot the way I did 30 years ago. And I'm like, did I do something? that I shouldn't have, or did I, should I have done something that I didn't? But it's not just the, the upbringing of mom. It's, it's like society as well. Uh, it's what they see on internet. It's what they get from their peers. Uh, so I'm really happy and, you know, overjoyed and pleased to open up the conversation about sex. Like, what do we mean? You know, people are, I don't know. Have you ever heard of DTF? DTF? 
No, I have not. As it goes around, I'm like, yeah, are you DTF? Because I'm DTF, and that means that you're down to fuck. Um, oh, okay. And I think, yeah, yeah, DTF, yeah. I, I didn't know either, but it's, um, but if you're on Tinder, you'd only have to be there on there for one day, and you'll know what DTF is. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is for me. I find that such a sad thing. Um, when there's no consciousness around it. If you're a very conscious being and you're very in tune to yourself and you've got that self-worth going for you and you've got that self-esteem and you know that that is exactly what you want to do and you want to meet a like-minded person to do that, you know, you know, live and let live. Although I just think that sex just gets thrown around as, as a commodity um, and which it, is been also for thousands of years. It's uh, you know something that people have used as as an exchange for you know I'll do this for you if you do that for me kind of thing. Um, I think I've gotten off. What was the what is sex? What was the question? Uh, was what's the difference between sex and sexuality? Yeah, so sexuality is energy. I could be, you know, there, there are many other people that think differently, but I feel that sexuality is really an energy. And that is an energy that we all have within us. We all have that inside of us. Uh, whether we're asexual or not, we may not have any drive to have sex, to, to, to do the act. Uh, that means that you don't have the sexual energy, that you have your own sexuality. Um, and that can come out like if your sexual energy is is free flowing and you're in touch with your own sexuality that can come out in very beautiful wonderful creative endeavors mm -hmm. for instance you know is there a way a guy can actually increase his own sexuality because I know this may be is and and I actually have a follow up question, but let's answer that. Uh, let's let, let me just ask that well, one first. It's just to, to keep it simple, yes, the answer would be yes. Is this directly tied with the amount of testosterone that the that the man is producing? I'm not an expert, so I can't say a scientific yes or no. Um, I do believe that, of course, knowing what uh, most people know about testosterone being the male hormone, and the more of, more of it there is, the more their libido is going to be, be high. Uh, but a high libido also doesn't say that much about the quality of sex or your sexuality. Um, okay yeah <laughs> like because like taking a little blue pill is not really is not going to be uh solving any of your core deep issues around sexuality mm -hmm. and i think that's also very sad that people are in this thing just so they can uh have a a, a tool to work with <laughs> <laughs> Yep, for both of them. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. 
I hope your listeners like kind of can read between the lines. I'm sure they. I'm sure they do yeah. listen between. They, they 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 hear between the lines. They can read between the lines. Uh, just toning it back a bit. Uh, kids here in uh, Ontario and in Canada, they're actually learning about sex and sexuality at a very early age. Yeah. I mean, at grade one at kindergarten, junior kindergarten, I think they start, they start to teach them about it. This is a very polarized discussion here in, in Canada. What are your thoughts on teaching four-year-olds and five-year-olds about sex and sexuality? I need to know the content, like what exactly are they teaching them in first grade at elementary school? they're teaching them that it's okay to experiment with anybody male or female. Okay. Um, but who, who's they? Like, is this the teachers, the in, teachers in, in public school systems In the public school systems? Yes. And this is part of Yep. It is now part of the curriculum. And what is the basis behind the curriculum? Do you know that? I don't have that answer. I don't know what the basis is. Because I can, I can say a little bit about it. Um, and that is that, okay, we're, we are all sexual beings. First of all, if two people did not have sex, save for the mother Mary and whatever, but no, you know, two people have sex. They come together. That is where we come from. Certainly nothing being wrong with sex. Um, if it weren't for sex, we wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Um, it has been seen and proven that children in the womb, one of the first things that we do is touch our genitals. We have, or this sucking um, reflex, which is a pleasure reflex. The thumb will be in the mouth. We've seen that in utero. And there's another and that is that the hand will be on the genitals. And that's also a pleasure reflex. And those are the first two things, as far as our senses go, that are being developed in utero. So knowing this science, I feel very strongly, along with a lot of other people, that it's very important that we do not shame human beings for being human. So like we have to let everyone know that that's where you come from. There are places, our entire bodies are erogenous, but there are other zones that are more pleasurable. Um, you know, the, the, the mouth, we were sucking from the, you know, from the time that we can, and then it's a source of food. And then you put something in there and then later it goes from a, a pacifier or, or how do you call it? A, a thing that they suck on. Mm -hmm. to Pacifiers, yep. Yeah to then there's straws and then we're sucking on straws or we we find out that oh it's really nice to suck on a finger i'm getting to what you're talking about because i want to illustrate the the very humanness i don't like the word normal but it's very much in our humanness to find pleasure uh in our mouths and i think that's also really one of the reasons why people smoke and you'll see that people are always constantly sticking things in their mouths. So the first thing is that we need to not shame children 
um, if they're, you know, uh, here, I know that when we're potty training our children, we, we let them run around naked and just have a sort of a pot ready to go underneath their bottoms when they need to do it. And you will see then when children are let, um, you know, to be walking around freely in their naked bodies that they may touch themselves. So the first thing is don't shame them because again, that's that message between zero and seven. Again, in the age between zero and seven, when a child is getting shamed for their body, they're going to grow up with body image issues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what they're teaching, I would, I would freely, like I didn't know this and I would really need to know a little bit more, but you asked, I think it was more of a moral question, what you're asking yeah like there's uh there's a moral debate behind this that uh they shouldn't be learning how to uh give a blowjob at three at four years old they should be more interested in learning about like history or uh learning their abcs and one two threes and how to do simple addition and subtraction rather than you know that stuff that stuff uh, is it are Sorry? they really teaching children how to give a blowjob? Well, not at like not at like junior kindergarten or grade one, grade two. I think it might be in like grade three or something. They're teaching them how like sexual acts. I'm like, really? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't have kids myself, so I can't mm. really say what the actual curriculum is. But uh, that's my view on it. Well, uh, what I would like to say, make very clear, is the issue around shame. No, I don't agree with them teaching things that don't need to be taught <laughs> at this particular phase of development. What I do agree with is the idea of not shaming a human body human genitalia or human pleasure and i also you know i don't think that children need to be pushed into seeing um yeah do i say this do i know like same sex i think that if they grow up in that environment that it's perfectly okay but i think if they're coming to school and they're being encouraged. I don't think anyone needs to be encouraged at, at a young age. I think that they need to not be shamed for the moment that they come out, even if it's at eight years old and they say, mommy, I never wanna wear a dress ever again because I'm not a girl, you know, or whatever they say it could be, you know, and I'm no expert on, on children. What I very strongly about though is that humans need to be looked at on an individual basis and this sheep mentality that everybody is the same or everybody is different and there's all these little boxes you know I, I think that that is where a lot of low uh, comes from because you don't know who you are yeah, especially yeah. at five and six, you don't know who you are. I know people in their 40s, they still don't know who they are. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, that is, I think, a whole other episode, sex education yeah. in yeah, general. That, from That's just another you know, can of worms. It's a, it's a big can of worms. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, so switching gears a little bit uh, once again, what is Tantra? <laughs> the uh, million dollar question. So Tantra is going to be a little bit different for every person, every tantrika, every tantra teacher, every tantra uh, explorer that you speak to. But for me, it is an ancient wisdom tradition. It is the forerunner of what we call yoga. It was the original yoga, yoga meaning union and tantra, the word being broken down means to weave. So for me personally, what I've gotten out of Tantra the most is that it is uh, many, many teachings on transcendence, basically. And transcendence in the way not to get out of our bodies completely, but transcendence in the way that we can meet who we truly are which is in essence, that God energy. It's where we come from. Um, there's, we can be connected to that. We are connected to that before we come into these, um, you know, earth, earthly bodies. And Tantra is a, the, many of the teachings are about expansion, expanding, expanding, expanding to transcend this, um, you know, kind of sometimes very mediocre existence into one that is ecstatic and, and very blissful. And you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to be anyone else. You don't have to, you know, relocate. You, you don't necessarily have to be on the beaches of Bali to do this. <laughs> um, but so for me, it is expansion and the inclusion in all of my uh, personal interactions with different uh, spiritual modalities and religions. Um, one thing that why they never worked for me is because they were about like, this is okay. And this is not. And like, uh, you, if you ha if you want to be really really good, then you got to make sure you don't do all these things, and that just never made sense to me. And tantra is an all inclusive way of being in life, um, and I personally believe that you know coming from a place of non judgment, um, we can actually create our own heavens on earth you know, and why do we need to die and, and, and suffer so much here in this earthly plane to get something in the afterlife? You know, I want it now because, you know, I mean, I know that I'm an infinite being and that in the universe there is absolutely no suffering, but there's nothing that makes sense to me that I need to suffer now in order to get something once I'm actually dead. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I've come here to... Um, create more and more expansion. And that is why Tantra for me is such an amazing 
um, practice and modality. And what, I guess the big thing that most people would say, what does it include that other um, spiritual practices or religions don't include? And that is that aspect of the sexuality. Um, Tantra even says is you can use sexual energy, you can use sexuality to get into these transcendent states. And that's why people like tantric sex. <laughs> uh, so what, sorry, I'm going to pronounce this wrong again. So forgive me. What is tantrika? Tantrika. tantrika. A tantrika. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like a yogini. A yogini is a female uh, yoga practitioner. And a tantrika is, a, um, is someone who practices tantra, a female. Oh. Okay. And like a, um, the a male goddess. version would be, is there guys that practice that are like practitioners in this or? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Shiva. <laughs> Anyone listening that, that is more experienced than me, they're going to know. Um, well, you have a Dakini, which is also the embodiment of a, a, a Tantrika, someone who practices Tantra. And you also have a Dhaka, and that is the male version. And these are ultimate space holders and um, people that are very experienced in working with these kinds of uh, very powerful energies, of sexuality mm -hmm. amongst others. Yeah. Cool. Um, isn't there a giant stigma on Tantra therapists <clears throat> as uh, being sex workers? Yeah, there could be. Um, and that is, I, I, came up with this in, in working with like, okay, what is my why and what do I do? And like a stigma stomper. And I really like, I think it just all stigmas can be stomped out because, um, well, what is a stigma and what is its worth? And, you know, what is it there for? Who is it for? Uh, that's the kind of questions I ask around stigmas, dogmas, taboos. Um, let's just talk about these things, find out what they mean, and uh, what does someone really do? So uh, yes, there is. And I would say, certainly if I look at my own um, transition and transformation, uh, I've always been busy with sex and sexuality in one form or another. And you can either use it or it can use you and it can be destructive, a destructive energy in your life, which it is for many people that are addicted to porn or that are addicted to sex or that are so addicted to love. And then they use sex to get that love and, 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 um, or they can't even get connected enough to themselves to have sex with themselves or with someone else. So, you know, it goes on and on. Having said that, I think that there is workers. <laughs> and by that, yeah, by, by that meaning, I'm going to stomp the stigma. You know, what is the, the, what is the added value of someone that can use their intellect, their mental and emotional capacities along with their body and sacred, like this aligned holy energy to, to help people and also through or with including of sexuality because when this sexual energy is pent up and repressed 
we have big societal issues as well. Mm -hmm. So that is me stomping the stigma of a sex worker. And yeah, I mean, in, in many regards, the Tantra therapist could be seen as a sex worker, but a sexuologist uh, or, you know, anyone that's an expert in the field of sexuality is also a sex worker. Are they not? Yep. I agree with that. Yep. Um, what do you mean by the healing power of yeah. conscious sexuality? The healing power of conscious sexuality. So hmm, have you ever had a one night stand? Yep. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay, good. All right. All right. I'm going to ask all the listeners, has anyone out there ever had a one night stand? And they're, they're going, yes. Okay. Uh, have you ever, after that one night stand or, or, or even during gone like, oh my God, what am I doing? Who am I with? And um, what is this for? Is there a fly in the room? I No, no. <laughs> I uh, I was actually thinking back to my past, and I remember my ex fiance. Oh. <laughs> I thought you're looking at a fly. Like, oh um, yeah, yuck! <laughs> I remember yeah. that one. <laughs> so the the healing power of conscious sexuality, when and it could even be a one night stand, but when two people are very conscious of what's going on. So let's take alcohol and drugs out of the equation. You're very conscious. You're breathing. You're present with yourself. You're centered. So you're not having any anxiety about talking to anybody. You're feeling really good. You're feeling very centered. You're whole. You know you're coming from a whole place. And you can be with another person that is in that space as well. Then when you come together and you share your sexuality, however that wants to play out, and that can play out in many different scenarios or many different ways. Uh, you said the word acts earlier, but let's take the word acts out of it because then you think of performances. So they are not sex acts and it's not performing, <laughs> but there are, um, you know, things that our bodies actually, when we get out of the way and we're very present and conscious and we kind of get out of our heads and out of our way, the bodies know what to do. And your body will know what to do with my body. My body would know what to do with yours. You know, when two people come together in this conscious space um, and you get out of your heads and everything is allowed to move as it wants to move, that can heal. Why does it heal? Because it can relieve shame. It can take away, you know, that whole idea of performing and that's already healing. So you're becoming a, a more whole person. Does that make sense? Yeah, actually it does. Yeah. Actually it does. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's funny. Like I hadn't really ever thought about this before, but we could, you know, we could ha actually have very healing, conscious one night stands when first going back to the beginning of this conversation, when you've done your inner work and you're really coming from a place, I love myself and I want to share myself with another human being. And that human being wants to do that with you. You know, that 
now what we would used to wake up and go like, oh my God, what have I done? Now you might wake up and say like, that was the most ecstatic, amazing experience of my life. Do we want to see each other tomorrow? Yeah, no, because I've got, you know, it could be for so many reasons. Could that, um, but could that potentially be dangerous? Because there's a lot of leeches out there. When you say it, could that possibly, what do, what do you mean? Like, we're talking about one night stands. So let's say yeah. you have a one night stands. It was the best sex that you ever had in 10 years. Yeah, okay. Could the, Because there's a lot of leeches out there that leech onto other people. And I like to call them uh, uh, energy, vampires? Va- energy vampires. <laughs> yeah. And... Well, couldn't that like potentially be very dangerous to like get to that point if you not if you don't see a future with somebody with the other person? Mm, I think this is a s- extremely interesting question. Um, we could really take some time for this because it's it's like multifaceted. First of all, what I'm talking about is two people that are very centered, and if that's the case, then there could be you know, I think very little potential for what you're talking about. On the other hand, you know, there could be this person. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about, energy vampires. But then, then the question would be, are they conscious? You know, look, if, if somebody is an energy vampire and they're very conscious about it and they're like, look, I need some energy and I want to sleep with you tonight. Would you give me some of your energy? Then I would even say that that's still very conscious sexuality. And then you can come to a consensus. The other person can say, well, I've got so fucking much. I am like so overflowing. You know, I've got plenty to give. Then then even this whole idea, which I know it's been talked a lot about in the psychology and there's so much being said about empaths and narcissists and narcissists are energy vampires. You know, the story can go on and on, but the word conscious, consciousness, awareness, these are words that changes the whole narrative. And That's- yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of people out there that are not conscious about themselves. There's a small percentage that are, uh, that are aware of what they need. I know. I know. Even when you say like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So that would be the first thing is some people might not be aware of what they need, but most people are aware that they have a problem or, or better yet, everyone's aware that someone else has a problem. (laughs) And when that's the case, and I love this because when one finger is pointing that way, three are pointing back to you. So as someone who's helping other people and coaching and working or, um, you know, it really helps when you're listening to someone say like, but you know, there's really nothing wrong with me. And then they start talking about all the other stuff out there that you could listen and then see if there's some of what they're saying about that is maybe something that they're dealing with internally. Um, how many people are conscious? Well, that's exactly why you and I and um, 
thousands, if not millions of others are, are you know, stepping up and opening our, our, our mouths, sharing our messages, um, stepping up to the plate, you know, taking the risk to, uh, you know, put ourselves out there and talk about these things online and to a broader audience. Um, people don't necessarily need to know what they need uh, I feel that it's really important that people realize that it starts with be, becoming aware and becoming conscious of things. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, this is, this is what, what, what Tantra does. It is one way before, I mean, before even getting to the sexuality, it's all about, Uh, Like if you go to a Tantra workshop, one of the first things that you'll do is start to connect to yourself. You'll go into meditation. You'll be invited to, you know, dance like no one's looking. Well, yeah, that's for like a lot of people really, really hard because they don't even allow themselves to move. Uh, So it's all about getting to know yourself. And from that space, being able to connect more consciously with other people. And then like, if you know that you're an energy vampire, you can very boldly own it and say, I'm an energy vampire and I'm looking for some energy tonight. Who's out there? Who's got more than me? Um, yeah. But that changes, that, that changes the game right there. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you also referred to yourself as a black sheep. Now this is, <laughs> personal for me as well because when i was in high school i also considered myself as a black sheep what made you come to that whole decision that you were the black sheep Mm, what made me come to the well it wasn't a decision i don't think being the black sheep is decision or a choice i think it's a a realization okay what was the realization when you said you know what i am this black sheep um, that nothing in my immediate environment seemed to have anything to do with anything that was going on inside of me. Like everything that I ever wanted to do or express um, was, was ridiculed, basically. You know, I mean, I think at a young age, I knew that I wanted to... So, um, you know, be a voice, uh, you know, whether that be uh, singing or dancing, movement on stage, acting, you know, and all these things were told to me that that was, that was just ridiculous. I mean, people like, people like us don't think like that, but I did, you know, um, and in the same breath, I realized that even after five decades, that all the stuff, a lot of the stuff that was put into my head before the age of seven is still very much um, directing my life. And, and every single day is a, a, a practice. It's, I don't want to say it's like an effort, um, although maybe I could put a little bit more effort into it, but it's like constantly going, okay, everything that I know, let's go back to like focus. And the, the old programming is constantly running and I have to refocus every day. And mm. you've also said that this could be lonely. This, I, okay, all these questions I personally know, 
because mm-hmm. I've, I am that. Yeah. So how do you see it? Why do you think that it's lonely? Mm. Well, anyone that doesn't like kind of, I don't want to say go with the flow, but anyone that stands out who's different, um, you know, they also say it's lonely at the top. You know, I don't know if it's lonely at the top or if it's just lonely when you're black uh, sheep, uh, like forget that word. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, when you're just like so different. And I guess that many people that reach the top, they don't reach the top because they're mainstream and they're just like everyone else. No, they reach the top probably because they're really very different than other people. So that's what I mean to say by, um, I think, it's just kind of lonely when you're when you're different different from the environment or culture that you find yourself in and nowadays i see a huge uh up surge of what they're calling tribes it's like everyone's out there you know if you can't find your own tribe then you need to make your own tribe because there are other people like you um, however, back in the day, even now though, um, my daughter said the other day, okay, yeah, she said, um, yeah, I see that you're connected to a lot of people online and you're doing a lot of calls, but do you have any friends that are like in the immediate vicinity? And I don't really, and she asked me, isn't it lonely? And I was like, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't speak with like-minded people and that I am now in a place in my deeply contemplating what to do with everything that I've learned and um, uh, yeah, that there is, there is a very, powerful and deep quality in being different or being the black sheep necessarily lonely as it is alone and that's a big one that needs to be addressed like yeah i can Mm -hmm. be alone and i cannot feel lonely i could be alone and i can feel lonely I can be in a great big, huge crowd of people and feel very lonely. They're not, you know, the same kind of vibe as me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you think we should break through this label or should we wear it as a quote unquote badge of honor? Ha. Huh. Well, scenes how that I'm not really one for labels anyway. <laughs> and it's funny because well, as soon as you said black sheep and that I had written that, I was like, oh, so I already put, I put, I like, and I get that because it's like, somehow we do like badge of honor is the way you put it. Sometimes, somehow we do kind of want to have some sort of credibility. Well, I know what it's like to be the black sheep. So, you know, if there's any other ones out there, then we can vibe together. Um Another label that's used a lot is better, actually. 
um and the black sheep is also like of course when you look at a, a herd of sheep they're definitely um colors and there's always this one that's a little bit darker and there's usually just one or two of them but i certainly give a maybe we don't need labels that have anything to do with colors whatsoever and um um there's i think a lot of people in the world that are misfits and they can be the best entrepreneurs as well and pretty much you know help a lot of people that feel the same way well talking about misfits and top entrepreneurs i mean look at look at mr elon musk he does not look like he can fit into any party <laughs> to any um, to any but he's gets he gets invited to a lot of them doesn't he yeah. <laughs> uh we're gonna be wrapping it up in a bit uh but i always have these uh questions that i ask all my guests and um i just want your point of view on some of these with the increase in people suffering from depression from the lockdown what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up This too shall pass. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's what I got. And you're not the first one. Do you one want that's more? Like, no, that's the first. If you, want, if you want to put more, you can put more. This too shall pass is also like past the pause. Um, it, 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 we're in a pause and very often a pause is a great thing because you can contemplate and you can reflect and you can take some time out and um, yeah, this too will pass and then we will, we will get past it. And that's the same with, um, you know, I know depression is something not to be taken lightly and I dare to say that it's also something that you can always, you, we, we always have the ability to choose for something just a little bit better, even in, in, in a place of, of feeling depressed or depression. I'm not talking about clinical depression or something that's just kind of like that mood of being depressed, you know, mm -hmm. we can choose not to be depressed. We can choose to be angry or, or, you know, something else. That's <sighs> good. Uh, where do you see past the pause podcast and dark blossom in the next five years? Hmm. Ooh. Well, but in, in the next five years, the brand will definitely be established. I would like that um, Pass the Pause has evolved to include uh, many more topics, um, really moving into an evergreen area. And I would also see Dark Blossom um, it's going into retreats and merchandise products 
and online courses. Cool. What about you personally? Uh, me personally, I'm just going to be very, very happy and like, ah, be living the life that I'm envisioning now. And that is one of abundance and prosperity and that people are how expanded more in this vibration of embracing and yeah that yeah, that's my personally I'm, I'm now kind of going to the collective where I would like to see the world in five years but, uh, just you know at peace you know um, I, I like this one where I see myself now and even more so in the future is to be responsible, to be in a place of having the ability to respond to whatever circumstances life has going on. Mm -hmm. And I wish that for everybody, that every person can have the ability to respond nice. in, in whatever space that they're in. Nice. Yeah. Um, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> I would say you are fucking amazing. You've got this. Take it easy. Um, enjoy. Uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, do whatever it is that your heart desires. And there's nothing stopping you. You're unstoppable. You've got this. Go for it. Awesome. Uh, looking back, would you change anything? No. Love that answer. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not worth my energy to even say anything about it. Like, really. I've, I, to be, the reason why the answer is no is because I've spent a lot of time, like, and time is at least in this particular plane, in this physicalness, it's kind of finite. And I've already spent a lot of time thinking about what if I could have, would have, should have. So no, <laughs> no that's regrets. Awesome. No, that's, a, that's a great answer. Every time somebody mm -hmm. answers like that, I always, it always puts a smile on my face because I'm like, they got it. They got I it. I see. Yeah, I see it. It's great. Uh, what keeps you up at night? Nothing. I sleep really well. I love sleep. It's probably what I do most of anything at all. It's probably, I think, my biggest secret right now. How do, how do I deal with being alone? I sleep. How do I deal with the crisis? I sleep. Um, yeah, well, I, I love, like, I really love it. Um, what I love is that I go to bed, I fall asleep, and I wake up almost exactly the same time every single day. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, where can people find more about you? So they can find me on Instagram at Meet Dark Blossom and Facebook at Meet Dark Blossom. They can check me out on Pass the Pause podcast. And those links will be in your show notes, I believe. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys. Yeah, right find more about blossom and dark 
blossom and past the pause podcast everything's going to be in the show notes on on this uh underneath uh, this podcast uh any final thoughts hmm. yeah like take it easy i think really take it easy take it easy with yourself um what we've got everyone can be completely in agreement i believe that we have an abundance thank god at this point of air and we can breathe and we can always breathe and we have complete total control of our breath and that is life and my final very final thought is this i would rather die living than live dying that is wow that's great i love that i'm gonna okay that's that. good. no that's my quote <laughs> <laughs> it really i remember the day that that like got downloaded i was like oh, oh my god like and then and then i am where i am now which is my my whole thing is about ageless living and i could you know i whatever it is if i have the chance to jump out of a plane tomorrow and and i could die great i'll do it but i would rather do that than just sit around and have my body decaying while i'm still kind of sort of alive that just to mm -hmm. me seems very insane <laughs> well blossom thank you again for agreeing to come on the show i appreciate you like clearing up a lot of the fog that's going on with uh with everything and now that I get a better understanding of what Tantra is it seems even more interesting to myself and I'm sure like most people out there uh, listening has you've also cleared up a lot of um, stigmas and dogmas mm. surrounding that and yeah. it's always it's always good to like have an adult discussion about something as that we have perceived as a sensitive topic as sex, because it's so important to us as right. a species, as a P as people as, as well. So I appreciate you for having uh, the courage to come on and talk to, talk to me and talk to the guests out there with, without any reservations. I, I appreciate you for that. Thank you. I would just like to mention that I do do one-on-one -on -one coaching and I do do it online. So if any of your listeners are interested, um, they just need to reach out with a DM in one of the social media channels. Okay, perfect. Like I said before, we'll put all your links down here so people yeah. have an easy access for you to get to, to you personally. Yeah, great. Uh, going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone listening, I wish a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world.